George, buddy, remember that girl I introduced you to, Lorraine? What are you writing? Uh, stories, science fiction stories about uh, visitors coming down to Earth from other planets. Get out of town. I didn't know you did anything creative. Well, let me read some. Oh, no, 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 no. I never, I never let anybody read my stories. Why not? Well, what if they didn't like them? What if they told me I was no good? I guess that would be pretty hard for somebody to understand. Uh, no. No, not hard at all. I will haze your ass. Oh, my. Well, today, how's it going, Tony? Great. You all right, Tony? 31 days. To what? All right, season You've been clean for 31 days? No, season 27 starts in 31 days. Okay, let's go back to season two. Who finished fourth? Uh Uh-oh. What'd you say, Mike? Season eight? Fake. Fourth place? That would be... He was a rodeo guy. His name was Ty Murray. He was married to Jewel at the time. Uh And she was supposed to be on the season with him. But she came up with broken bones in her feet. Yeah, she had a tooth. Actually, I think it was a tooth. Someone beat her up up when she was living in her car. It's incredible. How impressive is that? And we're all blown away. Yeah, what do we say at this point? Yeah, did Ty check it, though? You may have missed what I said. I said, let's go on to something that has some importance. And the real modest. Why don't somebody just check it? I mean, I could be wrong. You know, check it out. Maybe Google it. guys i don't know what that was but we got rid of that guy this is the real tony the engineer this is the ballroom blitz and i'm saying welcome back well here we go this is episode seven of the ballroom blitz we're going to be covering week six of dancing with the stars season 30 and this occurred on monday night october 25th and by the way happy halloween everyone 
Uh, it was Halloween night on Dancing with the Stars. They actually called it Horror Night. Um, don't know what's up with that. It used to always be Halloween night, but it doesn't matter. It was still pretty cool. But we're not going to get into that just yet. I got a couple other things I wanted to talk about first. And one of them is I have a shout out for someone named Monica Aldama. Now, you guys that listen to the show or watch the show, you'll know that name because she was on Dancing with the Stars last season, season 29, finished in 10th place with her partner Val. And I had the good fortune of getting to talk with her a little bit in person last week. Um, I was out on a ticket remote and I was in line getting the host some food and some dude comes up and he says, hey, are you Tony the engineer? And it always cracks me up when someone does that. And I said, yeah. And he says, well, I'm Monica Aldama's husband. And I'm sure my eyes got real big and, you know, I'm like, oh, you mean <laughs> season 29, 10th place? And he kind of laughed and said, yeah. And I, right away, I start asking him questions about her experience. You know, I didn't bother asking about him. I think his name was Chris, by the way. I hope that's right, Chris, if you're out there listening. And uh, all of a sudden he says, well, how about I bring her by the broadcast location? She can say hi or whatever. Uh, dude, are you kidding me? Sure. So I get my food and he walks away and I'm thinking, you know, he's not coming back. That was, I was real nice, but there's no way he's going to bring her back and she's not going to want to do it. But uh, I go back to the location, give the guys their food. And we had two engineers that night. One guy was on the board and I was actually working the promo table because we didn't have a promo crew that night. Talk about flashback. That's where I started at the ticket in 2004 was in the promotions department. So I'm standing there and we were in an indoor uh, practice facility at SMU. I don't know if I told you that. We were there for an SMU football game. And we were in an indoor practice facility that was very nice, artificial field, of course, and a lot of VIPs in there for the game. And I'm just standing on one sideline where the broadcast location is, and I see this very fetching young woman walking across the uh, field, looking at me and smiling. And it was Monica Aldama. And you know, when you just know people from the show, uh, they all look really, really great on TV. It's just, you know, they're, they're made up and they're wearing the best clothes and, and best hair and makeup stuff it could be. Well, I saw her walking across the floor and it was like the old videos where they used to show like, I don't know, young boys or something looking at the pretty girl walking towards them. And, you know, it was kind of like in slow motion and her hair was kind of waving back in the wind and she was smiling at me. And I thought, wow, I can't believe this. <laughs> so she comes over and yeah, her husband was with her too. <laughs> I think it was Chris again and uh, Chris's sister that was with them. She comes over and starts talking to me about Dancing with the Stars. It was so great. And I felt so guilty because I'm like, I'm taking these people away and I'm just pelting her with Dancing with the Stars questions. And at least one point I'm like, yeah, I know you guys probably got a lot to do, you know, go on ahead here because I'll keep her all night. And and I look at the husband and he's kind of like looking at his watch and like yawning and <laughs> wanting to get out of there. And eventually he says, I got to go beat somebody. So he leaves with uh, his sister and Monica stayed and talked with me. And again, I told her, I said, I know you got stuff to do. You know, I could, I'm going to be here all night talking to you. Oh, I'll answer your questions. So she was an absolute delight. Gave me so much behind the scenes info on Dancing with the Stars. You know, I'd ask her a question like, so Monday after the show, what did you do first thing Tuesday? Well, you know, we get ready for practice. I'm like, no, no. I mean, where did you stay? What did you have for breakfast? What time did you get up? Uh, how did you get to the studio? Did they give you a driver? Just pelting her one after the other. And again, she was so gracious and answered all my questions. I think she was there for about 30 minutes. 
It might even have been longer. But uh, it, it only broke up when the broadcast ended <laughs> for the night. So again, thank you, Monica. And I was going to ask you then, but I didn't want to beat you down anymore. If you're out there or Chris is out there listening or anybody that knows them, if Monica would like to come on the podcast here, The Ballroom Blitz, of course, I would be ecstatic and would love to have her. So if anybody's out there listening and could get a hold of her and she would be willing to do it, uh, email me at dwtsp1 at yahoo. That's dwtsp, the number one, at yahoo.com. And uh, gosh, we've only got like four shows left, but I'd love to have you, Monica, if you want to come back on and uh, talk some more with me. And just be prepared if you do. I'm going to have tons of more questions, and you'll have to get pretty specific, I think, because I'll have specific questions. Again, thanks a lot, Monica. That was quite a thrill. Okay, it was Halloween night and or horror night on Dancing with the Stars, as we mentioned. And, you know, it's a little bit subdued this year. Don't get me wrong, I liked it. And we had a lot of great costumes, some pretty cool uh, minimal set designs, uh, great music, a lot of creepy stuff for sure. Uh, but it is a little subdued compared to the old days when, boy, the set design was off the charts and we had group dances, you know, the pros would be out there at the beginning of the show and because of the lingering COVID stuff, we can't really have group dances now and changing partners and all that stuff. So uh, still great, but uh, hopefully next year we get back to the real full-fledged Halloween night. But there was a lot of fog, which I love, you know, misting throughout the studio. That looked great. Uh, we did have a couple pair, or just one pair of fangs last night. You know, I, I like fangs, so uh, we need to work on that next year. I think Sasha was the only one that had some vampire fangs. And uh, I will tell Len, the head judge, uh, Len, next year, dress up, would you? Uh, the other three judges had all really cool costumes. And Len looked good. He had a black suit on with a black shirt and then an orange tie, which I guess represents Halloween. But he could get a little more into the spirit. And then as far as Tyra goes, you know, she looked like she looks. And she changed outfits again, of course, during the show. Um, I was a little disappointed because I think her halting talk and her... Shouting talk is kind of coming back. A couple of weeks ago, I think it was Disney night. I was, I was hopeful that uh, we were going to, you know, tone that down a little bit, but uh, it seems to be coming back. So, uh, kind of is what it is, as they say. Well, let's go to the dances. So, uh, Halloween night again is always a lot of fun. They come out in their costumes, and first up that night was uh, the Miz and Whitney. And he had another fantastic costume. He played uh, the Hellraiser guy. as a pinhead, I think. Yeah, I don't know many much about horror movies. I don't care for those too much. But uh, what a great uh, costume. He looked great at Disney night too. So I would say he's the king of uh, dressing up and so forth so far this year. Well, The Miz and Whitney did a Paso Doble. And what a perfect song for his attitude. You know The Miz. He always comes full force, larger than life. Uh, it's his wrestling persona that he carries over to the ballroom. And, you know, I got to say in general, I think the ladies who watch this show, they love seeing men, especially, you know, men who are in pretty good shape, uh, go all out and embrace the character of the dance. And he does that all the time, you know, and a uh, really good dance, a guy with no dance experience. I'm real happy and proud of what he's been doing. I uh, didn't have too big uh, expectations for him. And for the night, he scored a 34 which was, let's see, two nines and two eights, I believe. And I think that's about right. He's, I think he's going to have a ceiling. You know, he's not going to become a dancer, but 
he is really good for what he started out as, and that's a guy with no dance experience. And he did have the acting experience, obviously, with the, with the WWE, but uh, pretty good dance overall, The Miz. And he's usually solid every week. Uh, up second was Kenya Moore, and she did an Argentine tango. And if you remember Kenya last week, she did a rumba that I just w- was all, all about. I thought it was the dance of the night, and I loved it. And she got a 36, four nines. Now, that's last week. And I remember thinking, since she didn't land in the bottom two last week, unfortunately, she's going to have to do that every week. She's going to have to get 36s. And she didn't get that with this Argentine tango. She got a 32. And, you know, it was a little bit of a letdown because she would dance so well with that rumba. But again, she's a good dancer. And, you know, sometimes it's just not the perfect situation where everything comes together. But still, it was good. Four eights is a 32. But right away, I knew then, I I was thinking, oh boy, with no fan support or little fan support that she has, I bet you she's in the bottom two. But uh, we'll talk about that down the road. Uh, Number three up was JoJo. And she was this weird, ugly clown from, I think, the movie It. And man, was it creepy. And I'm not a big clown fan anyways. Derek said he isn't either, the head of the judge there. And uh, it, she played it off really well. And she danced a jazz routine, by the way, with her partner, Jenna. And she's always good, you know. She had a perfect score. I'm just going to go to that because it's hard to say much about her uh, other than the fact that she continues to kind of rein it in a little bit, that little girl personality she had when she first started with the sparkles in her hair and the glitter everywhere and the rainbows and the... <laughs> you know, the uh, a country accompaniments of uh, the young girl, unicorns. So she's reined that back in. And I think she's like growing up in front of us right here. She's always very good. She leads the dance well because she plays the male role in her uh, dancing with Jenna. And she'll be in the finals. Uh, you know, uh, I think she's got a lot of fan p- support, number one. And the judges, I don't think, will let her go anywhere because I think they would agree that she's the number one dancer so far this season. So uh, perfect score 40 for JoJo. Uh, Number four up was Cody, and you know I've kind of been on Cody a little bit, and I put a lot of pressure on him, like he knows about it, but I put a pressure on him to perform really well on Monday night, and for me, again, it just didn't live up to what I expected. Now, the judges liked it. The judges gave him four nines. I really think that's an overscore. I don't think he was any better than The Miz. You know, I'm always comparing him to other men. And The Miz had the 34, and I don't think he was better than that. Yet they gave him the 36. I hope the judges aren't getting swayed by thinking, well, he's a ringer. You know, he's a good dancer, so he must be dancing well. I don't think they're going to do that, but I really didn't think it was that good. Uh, You know, it was better than he's been doing, but he's had two full weeks now of training after his COVID mess with, with Cheryl, and I really had a lot of high hopes for that. So... You know, he's getting better, but I'm not sold on him yet. I'm guessing he's got a lot of votes. And I actually think he better have a lot of votes because if he ever falls in the bottom two up against any of these women, I think he's going home. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. You never know. It changes from week to week. And if he has a knockout dance next week, you know, the judges might be all about him and, uh, and, and keep him in in case he ever does fall in the bottom two. Uh, Fifth up on Monday night was Jimmy, the country singer. And he was doing a contemporary. And I always compare Jimmy with The Miz because I don't think either one of them has had a lot of dance experience, but they both have the experience of performing in front of people. 
And I always thought Miz had a little bit of an advantage in the personality department because he's so full throttle out there. And from what I've seen, I always thought Jimmy had a little uh, better in the technique department. And he had a really good dance with his contemporary. Uh, the judges liked it. A total of 38. He got two tens, which is big time. And uh, I think he's got the fan vote on his side. So I expect him to consider to, to continue to be around for quite a while. And, you know, he's really kind of an emotional guy. And I, I think it's a surprise to him, too. That's what this show does. And that's what dancing does, I think, or it can, especially the contemporary dance. You know, he was kind of crying a little bit. And they always had the little video package of the family and so forth. And that gets him emotional. And I think he said something like, you know, I've cried more tonight than I've cried in the last two years or something. So uh, it's fun to see the celebrities get touched, again, especially a gentleman that uh, may not have had the dance experience. And with his fan votes that I think he has, I expect him to make it pretty far in this thing. And if he and Cody are ever in the bottom two, I would save him at this point. So that was five, so number five. So that was half the dances for the night. Well, they, they broke up the dances with a performance from Derek Huff, the fourth judge. And he did a tango of the dead with his partner or his life partner, I guess you would say, Haley Ebert. And, you know, as far as Derek concerns, is concerned, he can do nothing wrong. It still was a fantastic uh, performance. But even if it wasn't, I probably would say it was. Uh, he's the greatest dancer that's ever been on the show, in my opinion. Uh, been to many of his uh, uh, shows and tour stops with he and his sister. I got to meet him once when I was working my other job, and he's just unbelievable gentleman in person. And just like Monica was, we talked about earlier, he was as cool in person as you hoped he would be. And that's always kind of an issue, I guess, when you meet a celebrity that you're kind of fond of or whatever, and they turn out to be kind of an a-hole or something. But Derek is just the best. And that Tango of the Dead was fantastic. He had his backup dancers from his uh, Vegas show. And I'm getting excited because we're going to see that here in about a week and a half. So uh, I'll have a report on that, of course, when we come back. And just in general, having Derek do that, he did it once last year, too. It's, it's a flashback to the old days of the show, back in the days when we used to have the second night uh, show on Tuesday. They would always bring in entertainers and we'd have dances either from the pros or uh, specific people that would come in for whatever reason, Macy's World of Dance and stuff. And you know, that's part of the entertainment of this show and I miss it terribly. Yeah, it's great just to see everybody dance who's supposed to be on the show and have competition. But sometimes it's nice just to take a little break and have other experts get out there and dance, especially just the pro numbers when they used to have all the men of Dancing with the Stars or all the women of Dancing with the Stars do dances and just always so much fun. COVID's not allowing that right now, but uh, hopefully they can get back to that in the future. But a great little uh, intermission there from Derek with his Tango of the Dead dance. Well, up next was Olivia, Olivia Jade, and she uh, danced the Paso with Val. And I was a little concerned, although she's been very solid all year. The Paso is one of those very forceful dances where you got to really hit your moves and do it with force. And, you know, she's kind of a diminutive young gal. And I thought, well, maybe this won't work. But she's as solid as always. Uh, Bruno did mention that uh, she has an issue, I guess, with a, it's a move called the port bra I think is what it is. It's when you put your arms up over your head. And I guess she has a tendency, I wouldn't notice it probably like he does, of course, 
but she has a tendency to kind of hunch those shoulders up and you got to keep them down, you know, and the chest out and everything. But those are pretty minor details I think she needs to work on. She's just always a solid performer. And I'm, I'm very happy for her. You know, I'm not worried about what she did or didn't do outside the show. Um, obviously, if she killed a person or something, that's different. But, uh, you know, she comes on here and as a young gal, I don't think she's had any dance experience and no uh, performance art. You know, she's not an actress. So... Uh, I think she's doing fantastic. They gave her uh, four nines for a 36. She needs those scores to be high because she's already been in the bottom two once, and I don't think there's a lot of fans for her out there, um, at least at the moment. So uh, hopefully she can keep knocking it out of the part with the judges, although I think the judges like her enough to save her over a lot of other people that are left. Uh, seventh dance of the ninth was Melora, and the judges like her, especially Lynn, and they scored her a 34. She did a jive. And I thought it was overscored. I remember watching this thing. That's all I remember because the, the performance itself was kind of not memorable. But I remember seeing her not do a bunch of jive content. And what jive content I thought was there, I thought it was lacking. It was lacking a punch. Uh, it was kind of in slow motion. And, you know, the jive is a super fast dance. And what do the judges always say you need? You need kicks and flicks. Well, I couldn't find any kicks and flicks in there. Obviously, she was doing a little kicking and stuff, but there's a specific point in this jive or every jive where they do kick and flick really, really hard, and I didn't see it with her. And like I said, everything else I thought was kind of low energy. Uh, Len loves her, and he gave her a nine. I, I may have mentioned it. She got a total of 34. But this was a regressive dance for me, for her. And I think it's very important that she come back strong next week because when you're got a lot of other talent out there and you're not bringing the energy, I think it's a forgettable dance and it's a forgettable presentation and you can't have that at this stage. So I, I would say also that I think Melora and maybe, maybe a couple others are going through what I call the dog, dog days. You know, there's the dog days of baseball in August, usually when you're beaten up and it's hot out, you still got a long way to go. I really believe, especially for the older contestants and Melora's 54, that she might be going through the dog days. And that is, she's been with Artemer partner for eight weeks probably, uh, probably sick of each other, uh, probably dealing with a lot of nagging inju injuries, you know, bad back, feet hurt, things like that. And then you look at the calendar and you're like, geez, if I'm gonna get to the fina finale, I still have another month of this. And I think it's real easy to get kind of beaten down and let that go over into your performance. So hope not, hopefully she'll come back next week. But uh Melora had the 34. Next up, Iman Schumpert, Schumpert, the basketball player. And I'm sure you guys, if you watch the show and I'm sure you've watched any social media, what a dance he had, the dance of the night. And get ready for this, Iman had a perfect 40. I never thought I would say that about Iman Schumpert. Uh, just the reputation of a basketball player who have not done well on this show and he just hasn't scored well. Len is not a fan of his. So I always said if he ever got in the bottom two, Len won't vote for him. And when the head judge doesn't vote for you, that's not good. Well, he had a contemporary dance with his partner, Daniela. And it was creepy. Uh, I think it was to a movie called Us. Again, know nothing about it. But the music was creepy. The, the vibe was creepy. Their look was creepy. The moves in the dance were creepy. And he had another iconic lift. Remember, I talked about him having an iconic lift a couple weeks ago. This one, 
we saw it only from the back of her, his partner, Daniela, so we couldn't tell for sure. But the visual looked like he picked her up by the neck and lifted her up above his head while going down the staircase. It was the creepiest look. And you felt like, oh, my God, don't hurt her. And then when they get down on the floor, he kind of throws her on the floor. And, of course, he really doesn't. But it looked like that. And then when she hits the floor, she goes scrambling off on all fours, that real creepy all four look. And then he follows her on all fours. So, man, for they did everything right. The, the technique was great. The performance of a Halloween dance, you know, which is hard sometimes to get the performance of Halloween in the dance and keep the technique up. It was so great. He had a big deal where he was whipping her around in midair. That was amazing. She stood up on his shoulders. You know, and I don't know what he is, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. She's probably 5'5". Five, five. And she was up on his shoulders, and they weren't. he wasn't holding on to her. That was just amazing to me. And then there was this part of the, of the song where you heard a crunch sound, and she twists her leg and falls straight down into his arms. It, the whole thing was just fantastic. This will go down, I'm sure, as a top 10 contemporary of all time. I don't have a list that way of top, top 10 contemporaries because it's never been my cup of tea. But if I come back next year and we do this again, I might have to come up with one of those. And I'm guaranteeing you this is going to be on it because it was something else. It was mesmerizing to me. And there's something about a big, large man like that um, handling the technique so well. And on top of it, do it in a creepy way. So I'm so glad he didn't get voted off earlier in the season. I thought he was a goner. And I, I really do believe if he would have ever been in the bottom two. But he must have a pretty big fan base. And now I can't wait to see what he does next. Can he continue that into a ballroom dance? That'll be fun to watch. Uh, number nine up was Suni Lee, the gymnast. She was doing a tango. And uh, she's good as always, technique-wise. You know, gymnasts always are. And the funny thing was to me, though, is that even though she got four nines for a total of 36, the judges were picking on her a little bit. Len was talking about her footwork being a little wonky. Uh, Derek said that she was stepping a little too gently in the, the, the tango. That's one of those forceful dances. But uh, I think she's always going to be good technique-wise. We just got to keep pulling on that personality. And it's slowly coming out. I think it's getting better and better. But uh, she needs to have it come out pretty quickly because we're getting down, you know, to the second half of the season or we're in the second half of the season and things get tougher and tougher. Number 10, uh, the last dance of the evening was Amanda. And she did something, I don't even know the movie. I think the movie was Saw. Another creepy, creepy uh, costume she had. And uh, she was doing the Argentine tango. Uh, Amanda's always good. And I mean really good. And she's a professional dancer, basically. So she should be. There's very little that you can find fault with in, in her dances. She got two nines and two tens for a total of 38. Uh, you know, there was a couple little comments. Carrie Ann said she had too much tension, I think, in the hold. Lynn says it was lacking the Argentine feel. I don't know exactly what exactly that meant. <laughs> but uh, as Derek said the week before, there was something missing and he couldn't put his finger on it. Well, this week he must have thought it was back because he gave her a 10. But just like Derek said, I still think there's something missing from her performances. Again, she deserves to be in the final, but I would place JoJo ahead of her at this stage. Uh, finished with a 38. So that was the dances for the night. Look at the judges' scorecard. JoJo and Iman had a 40. Amanda and a Jimmy had a 30, and Jimmy had a 38. And then Cody, Olivia, and Suni were at 36. On the bottom of the scorecard was Kenya at 32, The Miz at 34, and Meliz at 30, Melora at 34. So we add in the fan vote. 
And of course, you know, Miz gets out of it because the men are always getting out of it. And once again, there were two women in the bottom two. Kenya stayed in the bottom two. And then a bit of a surprise, I think, Suni Lee, the gymnast, fell to the bottom two. So she had the same score as Olivia and Cody. That tells you right there, she's not getting the fan votes of Olivia. And that's got to scare her because Olivia was in the bottom two a while ago. So if Olivia and Suni are going to be scoring the same, boy, it's probably a crapshoot which one's going to be in the bottom two after the fan votes in. So uh, it was Kenya and Suni. The three judges voted before Lan, and they all agreed that Kenya needed to go home, and the judges saved Suni Lee. So Kenya Moore did go home, the real housewife of Atlanta. It was a great run for her. I don't think she could have expected too much more. There's a lot of good dancers left. Um, it would have been interesting if The Miz would have been in there with her, what the judges would have said. But uh, I don't think she can be too uh, unhappy with her finish. And she should be very proud, actually, for, for doing as well as she did. Okay. Let's look at one of our top 10 moments. Now, you know that I like to have top 10s. And I have a bunch of different kinds of top 10s. Well, tonight, what we're going to focus on is the top 10 noteworthy moments in the history of the show. Now, I decided to divide this up basically into two top five lists, and I'll just intermingle them as we go. In other words, I'll do one top five of the show side, which is what I'm, one of my lists is, and a top five on the personal side, because some of these things are only going to matter to me. They won't matter to anybody else but to me, but some things I think are just show-worthy that happens and everybody's going to notice them that were pretty noteworthy moments. So that's how we're going to divide it up. And as always, just remember, you know, these are my opinions. Oh boy, oh boy. The old opinion alarm. I think it started a little late that time, but or maybe early before I even said the word opinion. <laughs> but that's okay. So again, these are my opinions, especially the personal side of, of my list here, because these are personal to me, and like I said, some people won't even know about these or have even given them a second thought, I guess. But for whatever reason in my crazy brain, they really resonated, and I've remembered them well over a long period of time. Okay, well, let's start on the show side. Number five of the top five list on the show side. I hope that's not too confusing. I'll have a top five on the personal side, and we're just going to commingle them, so I'll do a top, I'll do a, a show side here and then a personal side next is my number fives. Uh, my number five on the pro side or the show side is Maxim Chermkowski, the pro dancer. A couple of his uh, strange, odd behaviors. Now, we all know Max is the bad boy of the ballroom, and he's earned that moniker, believe me. Uh, we're going to play some audio later that shows he earned it in his first season, but uh, way back in season two. But in season 13, he had a little run-in with Len, one of the, uh, well, the head judge. We all know Len. And... He just kind of was acting like a little spoiled brat kid, I think. Because uh, keep in mind what the judges do here. They're there to judge. And then, uh, you know, they did what they're supposed to do, and Max didn't like it. This was season 13 was he, when he was with Hope Solo. For those of you that know the show, he and Hope got along like oil and water. They just did not mix. I know she's kind of a bad egg, too. And boy, it was a rough season. But for some reason, I think it just kind of got to him. And he had had enough with the judges. So this is judge, uh, this would be Len telling Max uh, his critique of the dance. Len, uh, I'm at a loss really, if I'm honest, because you may not believe this hope, but I've never lost faith in you. I, I haven't. I always feel, 
that there is so much there and for some reason it hasn't come out. Now, partly because of those boots, you, 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 you didn't step, you know, the heels make you go onto the ball of your foot and the one thing you mustn't do is step on your heel. Well, it was totally full of heel leads. It left, kept, this is your worst dance of the whole season, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm so, well, look, do you think I like it? I'm really disappointed. Because half the fault is yours, so as don't start long as, as long as as long as the audience like our journey, we're good. The audience, let me tell you, Max, the audience like the effect. They judge on efficacity. I've been in this business for nearly 50 years. My criteria to judge is oh, different no, to the audience. Let's like okay. well, not no, be disrespectful to everybody, don't right? Be because everybody's putting a lot of effort. Everybody on that balcony Everyone has been dying oh, and killing themselves only to hear your guys a little judgmental comments. You know what I mean? I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just protecting my partner. So there you go. Uh, Max was mad because the judges were judgmental. Like I said, I bet he was just at the end of his rope. I, I don't even remember when this was during the season. Uh, I think it might have been fairly early. But uh, he and Hope were not getting along the entire season. And I think he just kind of you know, let off some steam there. Uh, the next day, he did not apologize to Lynn and or Carrie Ann. And Max doesn't apologize. We, uh, we found that out. He was on Good Morning America. And he says, last time I apologized was to my grandmother when she was dying for all the things I did that bothered her. So he's one of those types of guys and gals or whatever that just goes through life thinking they don't have to apologize, I guess. And I don't understand that. You know, humans are not perfect. We all make mistakes. And how can you not feel like sometimes maybe I wronged someone or I did something wrong? Now, he may not have felt that way with the, with the Len comment, you know, that it's time for him to retire. But uh, you didn't see it here because it's in the video. He was like putting his hands up in the air, getting people to boo as much as possible. And that's why Len was saying, well, half of it's your fault. And he's exactly right. You know, the pro has to take some responsibility. Sometimes you have dancers that don't care and just aren't any good. But uh, other times the pros, you know, have to take responsibility for what they do or don't do. Now, they went up to the uh, judges, or not the judges, the, the skybox to get the judges' results. And boy, you should have seen Hope's face through all that. As she was like, oh God, Max, shut up. You know, you're not helping our case in here, any here. And Max made a comment too about, as long as the fans are happy with our journey, that's good. Well, that sounds like the cry of a loser there because you need to have the judges on your side. If they don't like your dancing, Boy, it's going to be tough to pull this off, and it's almost impossible these days with the judges saved. Now, they didn't have that back then. But anyways, they're, they're up there giving scores, and Lant, uh, Max has to spout off again about something else that got him in trouble with his f uh, fellow dancers. Out of 30, Max, how do you feel? I just, you know, with all the respect, this is my show. You know, I help make it what it is. Um, I love every aspect of it. I love every professional that's ever been here, and I love every celebrity that puts effort into every week. Having said that, I'm a little tired that we're being judged some on effort and some being picked on Achilles. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so uh, you probably heard that at the beginning. Uh, this is my show. And of course, what an arrogant, ridiculous thing to say. He's one of many pieces that make this show go well. And, you know, I wouldn't even rank him in the top three male pros of all time. 
Give me Derek and Val and and uh, Mark over him. But there's no doubt he's been important to the show. It's just, you know, how about a little humility? But like I said, I think he was just off his feed that season with hope. And hopefully that's all it was. But again, he didn't apologize ever. And then he went on and he came back later, uh, a few years later, and was a guest judge after he'd kind of retired from dancing. And remember what he said about the judges being judgmental and picking on people and, and you know, everybody's busting their butt and, and they come out with these judgmental comments. Well, this is Max judging uh, a fellow pro, Keo, and listen to what he had to say. Max versus Kim Field switched up partner, Keo. It's literally not a Viennese waltz. There's, there's like half a step of Viennese waltz. I can't even criticize the frame because there was none. Quick backstory, Keo's usually with Jody Sweeten. Last night, Jody was paired with Val, who is Max's brother. They came in second, so is there favoritism? Max says no. I'm his friend. I hope he's still mine, but he has to definitely has to step up. I did this job for 10 years. If you're gonna come and replace me, basically, you better you better bring what I used to bring. Oh boy, you know, here he is talking about <laughs> if you're going to come replace me. And why is he replacing you, Max? There's other men on that show that have come and gone. And, you know, you got you to gotta do it as good as I did it. Are you kidding me? Talk about judgmental. I went back and looked at the scores of that, too. It was a Viennese waltz with Kim Fields in the switch-up week. And both Bruno and Carrie Ann gave them an aid. And I watched it myself. And, man, again, he was – that's the pot calling the kettle black. He was – chewing her out for uh, not doing the same things that uh, Len chewed Hope out for not doing back in the day. And it was okay for him to do it, but it wasn't okay for Len back to do it. Anyways, Max just being Max, he uh, slides on most of that stuff. So that's one of the things. And I got a double shot of Max here. <laughs> he, um, he, let's see, one with this. This would have been season 25. Um, I'm trying to think of, of the details. I'm sorry, I should have had that. Oh, Vanessa Lachey, that's right. Vanessa was his partner. And Vanessa was another very opinionated, strong-willed woman, and they butted heads. And all of a sudden, Matt takes a, Max takes a week off of the show for, quote, personal reasons. Here was the Entertainment Tonight story on that, that exit. Co-host Aaron Andrews informed the audience that one pro dancer wouldn't be taking the stage. Max is dealing with a personal issue, so Alan is stepping in and dancing with Vanessa tonight. Now sources confirmed to ET that Max didn't perform because of an ongoing conflict with the former Total Request Live host. Quote, they were acting like they had great chemistry when really they were just faking it to seem more likable to the fans. The source adds that things got heated between the two this week. Quote, he's being a brat. It was nothing specific, just little disagreements that escalated. But don't expect the Ukrainian dancer to sit out the show again. The source tells ET, quote, he'll have to put his ego aside because there are contracts involved. And of course, he did come back right away. Um, you know, you can say that, that if you wanted to defend him, oh, this was just sources. They're just making this up. But you know, there's a history. This guy had troubles. I could run down the list of people he had trouble with that were his partners. Tia Carrera, Layla Ali, Melissa Gilbert, Aaron Andrews, Kirstie Alley, and it goes on and on and on. And I'm not going to keep naming names because he had trouble with so many people. And there's a reason, in my opinion, that he won one mirror ball in 17 seasons. And that happened to be the best female dancer in the history of the show with Meryl Davis. So uh, I love Max and I'm glad he was on the show. He's kind of a Charles Barkley type, if you know him. He speaks his mind. 
and he doesn't apologize. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody's got their own opinions about things, but uh, I thought it was a pretty big deal for the show. Number one, calling out the judges that have been there forever, and then one, just number two, skipping the show. So I thought that was a pretty big show moment. Okay, that's the show side. Now let's go to my top five on the personal side. And this, again, is very personal. It was a very comedic time for me for these two, and I lumped two together again. Nikki Glaser and Macy Gray. Uh, two people that are probably not well remembered by most people because they were voted off so early in their respective seasons. Well, this is Nikki talking to good old Tom, and Tom's got a great <laughs> talk with her. You know, he's so good at the interviewing process where she says something that sounded a little off, and then Tom tried to correct her and said it wasn't this. And she said, oh, yeah, it was. So listen to this one. You, hello, my dear. You seem to take the sometimes blunt comments from the judges pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I have to. Well, yeah, okay, good. Uh, not really, but I was wondering if stand-up helped. You know, not every set goes great, if that helps you be a bit more philosophical. Yeah, I've had a lot of rejection in my life and a lot of rough sets, and but it's been a while since that. By the way, she said rough sets. Um, oh, yeah, that's oh, what... No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? No, oh. no, I did, I did. I really didn't mean for that, but I've had both. Primetime. <laughs> I don't know if you caught all that. It wasn't the greatest audio in the world. Um, she said that she had had a lot of rough sets. She's a comedian, a com com comedy sets. And it sounded like sex. And that's what I thought it was, too. When I, I remember listening to this live. And Tom must have thought that, too. There was some murmuring in the audience. And he goes, by the way, she said rough sets. And she's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was a funny, funny moment, and it made me laugh out loud. And uh, I remember that one because you, this is a very conservative show, you know, family values and all that. And whenever anything racy is said, uh, it's kind of, kind of stands out for me. Well, here's another one. Unfortunately, this one's bleeped. Uh, this was Macy Gray going way back to season nine. She was voted off fairly early, and she did a dance, and she's not a dancer, and. She says something that's bleeped out here, and I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to say the whole thing, but she says, I effing, I felt like I effing busted my, and then this little red fruit that we like to call and eat called the cherry. And oh my God, Tony Dolani was in the background. He looked like he'd been shot with a gunshot because he just went down and kind of grabbed his head. And you'll hear the audience react. And oh, I wish you could see the video because Carrie Ann is just like, uh, beside herself, all laughing and all very good-natured, but boy, what a shock this was. Now, you just returned from singing to sold-out audiences throughout Europe. Mm -hmm. What was it like, though, dancing in front of a live audience? I was just glad to get the first dance out of the way. <laughs> like, we've been practicing for four weeks, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just feel like I... <laughs> And you were cute and vulnerable. Yeah, cute and vulnerable one doing that. Let's um, sit on that and get the scores. The judges have their scores. Carrie Ann Inaba. <laughs> Len Goodman. Four. Bruno Tognoli. Five. All right, 15. The judges are obviously loving you because they can't even get their scores out. You like that? You like that, Jonathan? I did. We're ready. All Just right. wait till next week. All right. Well, America, you saw what Macy Gray could bring to the ballroom dance floor. If you want to see more of that action, then you need to vote.
Tom. Thanks, Samantha. By the way, Macy will be having a little dance jubilee after the show. <laughs> Next on... Wow. And there's Tom with the masterful Bon Mon. <laughs> Macy will have a dancing jubilee. <laughs> Oh my gosh, go back and find that video if you want to have a little laugh. Uh, like I said, it's beeped out, but it's called Macy Gray's Hazy Cherry. Jeez. But uh, pretty wild for this uh, this tame, family-oriented show, I would say. But again, that's just a personal fun thing of mine. Okay, let's go back to the other side again, the show side, noteworthy moments. And I'm going all the way back to season uh, five, yeah. It was Marie Osmond fainting. I'm sure you long-term viewers will remember this. And uh, I'm just going to play the audio here. Obviously, it's more of a visual thing. But listen to her panting. She's panting really hard after a samba, and Len's trying to give her, or is giving her a critique, and then they go to commercial break. Um, I think I'm going to play the whole thing here, too. And uh, no, we'll, we'll just stop it after that. What's going on? You have to do steps on the spot. You have to move around the floor. You've got to get this elusive bounce action going. <laughs> And, of course, you've got to show the gaiety and the fun of the samba. Oh. Oh. All right, we're going to take a take commercial break. break. We'll break. be right back, and uh, we'll be right back after this. Yeah. All right, okay, welcome back to the show. Just so you know, Marie is fine. You're about to see her backstage as she awaits uh, her scores. And I want to just quote her exactly. Uh, she passed out. She fainted, as you saw. And the first words out of her mouth when she saw us all leaning over her were, oh, crap. <laughs> so <laughs> she is a trooper indeed. And she's backstage with Jonathan waiting for their scores. Well, I'm, not, I'm just going to cut it off there. She just comes back and says sometimes when she gets excited like that, she faints. But boy, I remember watching this one live too, and I'm thinking, holy crap, did she just have a heart attack? And I, I knew it probably wasn't it, but I don't know much about fainting. And boy, the way she was panting and everything, I thought, oh boy, something bad happened. But she just went on to say that, yeah, I, I faint sometimes. But that was a pretty big deal on live TV. It was the quietest I ever heard the ballroom. I don't know if you heard when they went to commercial. Man, you'd hear a pin drop for sure. Um, well, another thing, and, and Marie's kind of got a double shot here too. At the end of the season, uh, they did a freestyle. And I think most everyone would agree it's the worst freestyle in the history of the show. The freestyle is the final dance that the, the fans vote on, and it's important. And it was god-awful. She's a doll maker, and she dressed up as a doll, kind of a creepy-looking doll. There really was no dancing in it. It was just like marionette steps, and she played like dead and she had no energy and it just was just creepy and listen to the judges uh you never hear them do this in a freestyle but they let her have it she wasn't having it she was defending herself but here we go okay okay we're gonna start with uh len goodman len well you know what's happened here has happened to me in the past you you <laughs> <laughs> you, you have a good like idea, a you think, this is a good idea, let's put it on the dance floor, and when it comes out, it somehow doesn't work. I don't buy and, it. And I'm sorry. I'm Look. not buying it. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of yours. I like to watch you. You give me pleasure. But I've got to say, this routine for me didn't happen. All right, Bruno. <laughs> this is the loopiest thing I have ever seen. You better believe it. It, it defies criticism. It's like Baby Jane and the Bride of Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 how can I criticize? 
exit. It's <laughs> not a dance. It's a turn. It's very entertaining, but it's Marie is, is, is unique. He's unique. All right, Carrie Ann. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite. That was my favorite. I will give you that you are a risk taker, and I think everybody here has learned so much from watching you perform because you are the queen performer. Okay? Thank you. However, okay. I'm going to agree with the guys, and sometimes, you know, as you know, we go through our creative careers, sometimes we just make some odd choices, and that one was just uh, not the best. I'm a doll designer. Come oh, on, you're so cute. I think we all know that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Ooh boy, uh, yeah, you just got to go back and look at it, uh, Marie's uh, freestyle. Uh, I think they gave her three sevens, and I don't think that'll ever be beaten. You know, they just give nines and tens pretty much in the freestyle, and, and lately it's pretty much all tens. So uh, go back and look at it. I just thought that was another kind of a big, big moment in the show's history on the show side. So let's go over to my number four on my personal side of the noteworthy moments of the show. The show has been famous for, especially back in the day when they had the second night show on Tuesday, having a lot of entertainers. And I mean big entertainers, you know, the leaders of the industry at the time, uh, both singers and dancers. And I, I picked one that really meant something to me. This is uh, Andrea Bocelli, if you've ever heard of him. He's a kind of an opera singer, I think. He's a blind man, and he's just got a gorgeous voice. And I'm not a huge opera fan, but man, this guy's voice is so sweet that when I listen to it, I get emotional. It's really weird. And that's one reason why I think this one's so memorable for me. And he's joined by Jennifer Lopez here. And uh, I just want you to listen to a little bit of it. Uh, this thing really blew me away. ...of duets with global pop stars. Please welcome Andrea Bocelli and Jennifer Lopez. Te pregunto que cuando, como y dónde tú siempre me respondes, quizás, quizás, quizás. Y así pasan los días y yo desesperando y tú, tú contestando, quizás, quizás. Estás perdiendo el tiempo pensando, pensando Por lo que más tú quieras ¿Hasta cuándo? ¿Hasta cuándo? Y así pasan los días Well, there you go, just a little snippet of that. And then um, then they pan to the uh, dance floor, and you have Val and Anna Trebunskaya, two pros on the show. And of course, everybody is just dressed up in elegant gowns and dancing dresses, and they all look fantastic. Jennifer looked out of this world. And then they have that orchestra behind them with the stringed instruments. And man, I'm telling you, this show is about entertainment. And when they had that second night show, we got a lot of that. And I always looked forward to it. Yeah, I love the dancing, but that was always great too. And uh, that just kind of encapsulates, I guess, my number four pick. It's a 
personal pick of those two, but it kind of could relate to many of the musical acts that were on the show. Uh, number three on the show side of the list was the Ryan Lochte incident. Now, we're, I don't have any audio right here. We're going to play some audio in the ticket audio segment of me being out there because I was out there for this. It was the premiere of uh, the season. Let's see. That would have been season 20. Isn't that awful? I'm not sure right now. 23? I think it was 23. Jeez. Um, and, uh, you know, that was quite an incident. You probably remember it. Uh, two guys came onto the stage. They got right next to them. Uh, unbelievable lack of security. And, uh, you know, boy, we'll talk about it more when we get the uh, get to play the audio. But this was a big deal. This was live TV. And they went to commercial break right away. You know, the security guy finally came out and tackled one of the guys to the uh, ground that was as close as you could get to them. And uh, just kind of a big deal. And it made all the news and everything. And I was there for it. There was some... Uh, of course, there's always going to be conspiracy theorists and stuff that said this was a plant. I really don't believe it was, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that with the audio um, in the next segment. Um, number three on the personal side for me, again, very personal here. No, many people might not remember this either. This was season 12, and it was the rehearsal of uh, Heinz Ward and Kim Johnson at the time. And Kim Johnson, and now Kim Herjavec, is my favorite for female dancer of all time. And I was watching this, and they showed it on TV, the rehearsal, and they showed it because she didn't get severely injured. But if you go back and look at this, boy, it is cringeworthy to see. Uh, she basically got dropped on her head, the top of her head, and then Heinz Ward fell on her. And this is a big man. This is a former football player, probably a 250 guy, maybe not that big. You know, he was a wide receiver, so he might not have been that heavy, but still a very strong, big man. Uh, falling on her when her head, the crown of her head is hitting the ground and it just all his weight and her neck bent and it just looked like this thing could be catastrophic. And here's just a clip of when it happened. T.S. is spot in the finals. Oh. Oh. You all right? Oh. Stay right there. Uh, I can't feel my arms. I'm sorry. Oh, it's my first time. Let me just try that stupid thing. It's all good. It was a difficult move. I was supposed to swing her through my leg and lift her up, and all my weight just came down the back of her neck. For me, I'm sick. You know, I just like, that was my biggest thing. Is I didn't want to drop her. Oh my God, I can't believe this has happened. There's so much to do. You know, it's like a wasted day. I can't afford to do it. Don't worry about that. Make sure you're healthy first. She's more worried about my practice time. I was like, don't worry about that. To be honest, I mean, I'm not even thinking about the competition now, so just hope and pray she's all right. Right now, I'm just worried about her. Uh, yeah, try to find the video if you're interested. It's uh, Heinz Ward and Kim Johnson uh, uh, injury. I don't know what, it, what it's called exactly, but, you know, it, it, I, it really affected me because I was so much uh, a fan of hers. And when you saw that and she says she couldn't feel her arms, I still get chills thinking about it. Boy, she could have been paralyzed. She actually came back and they did the Argentine tango. And it was one of the best Argentine tangos ever. Uh, Heinz treated her so gently, yet still forcefully. The tango, you have to be forceful, but he was gentle with her at the same time. And that's one of those things about dance. How how are you forceful yet gentle in the dance? And he wasn't the greatest dancer in the world. He won that season and deservedly so, or, you know, one of those guys that I think was a legitimate champion. And uh, 
it was just something to see. And if I do a Argentine tango top 10, which may, may happen next year if we do this, I think that's probably going to be in there, probably just because of the, uh, the, the stuff behind it. So that's my number three. Uh, number two on the show side was the scoring snafu of last season. And this is where we had, uh, in fact, this Monica again, Aldama, being safe. She was told she was safe. They go off the, the set, and then they found out there's a scoring area and I'll, scare, scoring error and I'll, error. Good, good, good God, sorry. Scoring error. And I'll just let uh, Tyra have it from here. Which means Anne and Keo and Vernon and Pita are at the bottom two. There's actually been an error. I'm looking right now, and we have three couples. So we need to clarify this for one second. The bottom two couples are Anne and Keo, and Monica and Val. Please come back. Please have Monica come back. There's been an error in our control room, but we're making it happen. Yeah, most of you probably remember that. That was just last season. And boy, did Tyra catch it in the shorts for that. And I never blamed her for that. Um, I don't know for sure how it works, but I think it was pretty much determined that she just reads what's handed to her. And someone handed her a, car with, a card with the wrong uh, bottom two. And, you know, um, I don't even want to get into this too much because this is one of the awful things for me in this show because the scoring system is just atrocious. And they went to this that season. And I remember when they went to it. By the way, it's just basically it's a two-hour voting window uh, for the whole country, the same two hours. Uh, but that means it's 8 to 10 in the East Coast and uh, what would it be, 5 to 7 on the West Coast. That's just absurd because the West Coast and the Mountain Time Zone do not get to see the show live. So you're making people vote in a two-hour window without watching the dance. And what was the problem in season 27? It was ballot box stuffing. It was limiting the vote. And this just accentuates it. And I remember thinking, too, the two-hour voting, it ends at the very last commercial break, like a minute into it. And I'm thinking, okay, so you got a three-minute commercial break. You're cutting off voting a minute into it. you got two minutes to tabulate all the votes of the fans, add them in to the judges' vote, get that on a card, and get it out to Tyra, in that two minutes. Boy, do you think there could be some potential for problems there? And sure enough, they have it. They have this miserable scoring snafu and they don't fix it. It's the same way this season. They didn't fix it last season. And you know, this is a competition with a lot of money involved and the FCC or some governmental agency monitors that stuff. They watch that on game shows so that there's nothing weird going on. And I'm like, boy, that's just what this show needs is more people looking at it and telling them, what, telling them what's wrong. But uh, obviously they didn't fix it. So just one of the many frustrating things of the show these days for me. And that uh, was pretty big to me. So that's number two on my list of noteworthy moments in the show's history on the show side. On the personal side, this is, gosh, this is the funniest moment in the history of the show for me. Um, again, it's a visual thing, so it's not going to be great. But this is Tommy Chong. <laughs> I'm even laughing thinking about it. Nancy Nasamba with his partner Pita, and there it was a trio dance, their third partner, Sharna. And it was the theme of it was Chong Air. <laughs> I can't stop. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not even watching it and I'm starting to laugh. And 
Uh, Peta and Sharna are dressed in stewardess outfits, and I don't know if you can even say that word anymore, but flight attendant outfits, uh, real high skirt, mini skirt kind of, um, showing a lot of cleavage. They had uh, gloves on, you know, kind of like burlesque gloves, and they had thigh high stockings on with, uh, <laughs> oh my God, stiletto heels. And they come out with this 76-year-old Tommy Chong. And I got to tell you, I love Tommy Chong. He was one of the greatest um, celebrities for me on the show. He would be in my top 10 of, of favorite celebrities. Uh, for what he did at 76, he was the, let's see, one, two, three, I think he was the fifth oldest celebrity ever on the show. And he had his moments. And in this thing, he hardly danced at all, but it was the whole entertainment value of it. And then we're going to play the uh, judges' comments and then Aaron's talking to them afterwards. And listen to the double entendres. This is the Tom Bergeron greatness coming out again. He mentions a happy landing. He mentions an upright position. Tommy mentions uh, how hard it was in his uh, critique. And at the very beginning, and this is what started the laughing, Julianne Huff was a judge here. Listen to the snort that she makes when uh, she, it's her turn to judge. And this is the end of the dance and getting into her. Nicely done, you three. <laughs> Julianne, what'd you think? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you all right, Bruno? <laughs> I'm sorry. You coughing up a lung there, buddy? You do that? Okay, good job. I honestly, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take that as a comment, oh. Bruno. You got the look of the man who invented the Mile High Club. <laughs> I, I am not sure about the samba, but the, the service was first class. Oh, Girls, yes. start an airline. Every male, male in America yeah. is going to book a new. Yeah, they're not yeah, complaining. Woo! You definitely came in for a happy landing, I'll tell you that. There he is. Oh, nothing. It's your turn. No, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say. That's okay. Because it's just, I mean, that was good entertainment. That's your wife. I just loved every second of that. That's your I don't wife. care what was going on, Dad's life. I loved every second of that number. All you should right. take that idea to Shark Tank and sell it. They buy that idea with you two. Okay, stories. Len, what do you think? Well, I fly back to London after the show tonight, and I'm changing my ticket to Chong Air. <laughs> <laughs> seats in an upright position. Tommy and Peter have some scores on the way. We'll find out what um, they are when we come back. Before the break, we saw a uh, very fun routine that I think Peter put it perfectly. Um, this is every man's dream to have two women dance with them. How was it for you? Uh, it was very, very hard. <laughs> and with that, we'll get your scores. Carrie Ann Inaba. Goodman. <laughs> Julianne Huff. <laughs> Bruno Tomioli. <laughs> 28 out of 40. Their total for the night is 57. Even though you are safe for the night, uh, we're going to still need your votes. You can't win this whole thing on just the judges' yeah. scores alone. Weird. You guys didn't even tell us where the exits were located. So strange. Tom? <laughs> Oh my gosh, you gotta you gotta find that if you can. When I watch that, I still laugh my tail off. It's just the funniest thing in the world. Now I know that's very personal. Maybe you guys won't even find it that funny. But uh, again, what we miss so much about Tom Bergeron, the masterful 
Bon Mott's that he throws in there. And then Tommy was even funny on that. And Julianne, of course, could not stop laughing, even into the scoring thing there. So uh, Tommy Chong's Samba, my number two personal, uh, most noteworthy moment in the history of the show. Uh, let's go to the number one um, most noteworthy moment in the show of the history from the show side. And, you know, this is kind of a cop-out, I guess. It's not a specific event. I just am putting seasons 26 through 28. And I'm not going to play any audio here. Uh, this is a heartbreaking time of the series for me because this was the beginning of the end in season 26 of the show as we know it. Of course, we had Armageddon in season 27, and then season 28 for Tom and Aaron were just a dead man walking season. Um, I felt a, a feeling of morose, uh, is that the right word, morose, morose, uh, just kind of down in the dumps, especially during season 28, because I didn't know they were going to get rid of him, but I knew something bad was, right, was coming up. And uh, again, this was just total dereliction of duty from ABC and their executives, and uh you may or may not know, I wrote a letter to those executives in the middle of this horrible time frame. And I don't write letters. I don't complain to companies and all that. I wrote a four-page letter <laughs> to the ABC president of entertainment and all the, and the producers of the show and anybody else I could find. And I, it was snail mail. I mailed them all out to a bunch of people hoping somebody would see it and somebody would do something like they're going to listen to me. But I had a ton of suggestions about what went wrong and here's how we fix it. And of course, uh, not only was nothing enacted, well, the judges save was, but even that's kind of half-assed. It's not very good judges save, but there's eh, more on that later, I guess, who knows. But uh, they did bad, worse things like the scoring system now. And again, these are just my opinions, but the show is kind of in a free-for-all. We haven't talked ratings because it's too depressing for me. We're down 22% as of this moment from last season. That's a god-awful number, and uh, I worry what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Let's try to keep it positive here. So we're going to go to my number one uh, moment on my personal side here. And remember, these are just my personal opinions, so they're not going to be yours. But here it is. It is the season 23 premiere experience that I had. And again, this is kind of a, a multitude of things. Um, you know, it, it's not just one specific event and, you know, I, I even hesitate to bring it up because I don't have any audio for this stuff, but it's, it's everything that happened to me in season 23. Um, season 19, of course, was my first season. I got tickets and that will never be duplicated. The special feelings about that because everything was brand new. I worked for years and years and did everything on my own to get tickets and I can't duplicate that. But season 23 was so special in its own way. Um, I got to go to the show because of P1 listeners to the ticket. We're going to play some audio of that in the next segment. Um, I got to go to the dress rehearsal, which I've only had that one time to do that. I got to go uh, and stand behind Tom at the opening of the show and made it on network TV and everybody back in Dallas just freaked out and they saw me there. And then I was there for the Ryan Lochte incident. And we've got some audio coming up in the next segment, the ticket audio that will explain some of that. But that's my number one experience. I don't think that'll ever be duplicated where so many things came together and so many uh, eventful things for me anyways as a personal uh, moment in the show's history. Okay, boy, this is going late tonight. Hopefully you'll bear with me. Let's get to some ticket audio here. And this is kind of a continuation of the season 23 experience I was just telling you about. I'm on here with the Musers, I believe, and here's where I talk to them. Uh, first, they kind of 
kick me in the groin again like they always do. This might be the old tear talk again. I don't know. And uh, But I talk about the P1 helping me get tickets. <laughs> I'm hopeful. See, Gordon, you pay Tony no respect you because don't. let me take you back what to the... What are you talking about? Let me take you back to the compound where I was organizing a Tier 4 hike for the Tier 4 employees. Okay, look And look you at that. said that you would take Tony out into the woods on the hike, you would put peanut butter at the end of the barrel of a gun and have him lick off the peanut butter as you ended his life, or as you said, put him out of his misery. <laughs> it's not true! Both of you. Sorry. It's not yourselves. true, and he wouldn't know it's a gun. He would just think, hey, there's peanut butter on the end of the stick. Well, remember the other compound? He's like, we'll give him a five-second start or something, and then we start shooting. I don't know. <laughs> He's always trying to kill me off. <laughs> See? That why is, is that? True. That is well, not Well, Craig true. doesn't show you. He has you tier four. <laughs> well, that may be generous. That, that may be generous. I was going to say, is that about right? See? Tony so knows again, that's realistic. Your only friend is me, Tony. <laughs> I'm taking even you though, on a hike. Even though yeah, I don't really like he's got with I was, like yeah, I was taking him on a hike, too. <laughs> hey, you know, real quick. Um, I need help. Um, oh, well, no. Oh, gosh. You know, I'm always trying like to go. money-wise? No, I'm always trying to go to the show. And it's very hard to get tickets because they're free, but it's just the email thing and so forth. Would you say you're the only guy? Well, no, it, it doesn't work. I want to invoke the P1's help. Okay. If the P1 can get tickets to the show this year and they take me with them. Any episode. Yeah, as long as we can go. I can't, you know, if I can't go, but I'll, I'll be able to go. But if I can't, well, anyways. How many times have what? you gone? Three times. Okay. And I was gonna well, that's, go. That's like a thousand dollar trip, though. It's not cheap for you. No, I always use miles. It's seventy five bucks for that if you have miles. How do you have but, a bunch of miles? Is it from your ticket travels? No, I usually you know, I have all kinds of things. Credit cards. He's a uh, traveler. He oh, likes okay, to travel. yeah, on your credit cards, yeah, all that points stuff. and stuff. But um, if someone takes me with them, I'll pay their airfare, two night hotel stay, and a rental car. You will pay for right. all that. Do they have to stay in the same room? Nope. They don't even have to stay with me. They don't have to they go have to, to sleep on top of me. Nope. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. if, if they don't like the show, if they don't like me, that's okay. Just get me out there. Um, with the and tickets. Then, and then so they don't have to socialize with you at no, all? No, no. I'm going to stay at a hotel right across from Television City so I can walk back and forth. So they just got to, you know, get me into the studio and then they can go have fun and do whatever they well, want. how did they? So there you go. That was just kind of a... Another tier, <laughs> tier four hike. Um, God dang it, I can't even talk because I'm laughing when I hear that. Um, but there, I put it out for the P1s. That was the time I did it when I was talking to the musers. And the response was unbelievable. I had people saying, you know, I'll, I'll help you get tickets. And I got a ton of people replying and they got them. And, you know, it's just numbers pretty much when you try to get tickets back then. And P1 Ruth, I'll never forget that name. She was the first one that replied and said, I got tickets for you. Do you want to go? And of course, yeah, thanks. And do you want to go? And she didn't want to go. So I didn't even have to take her out. But I thought, geez, what a generous thing for the P1s to get me tickets to go see this show that I love so much. And then it happened again that season. A guy from North Carolina, get this, P1 Jim, listening in North Carolina, did it for me. These people don't know me. They have to submit an email. They have to reply back and give them some personal information. And, uh, you know, it was just great. And that's, that's how I got out there for that season 23 experience was because of tickets from the P1. So um, 
So I go out to the show, and then we had the Ryan Lochte thing, and the musers call me when I'm out there the next morning. I'm still out in L.A., and, of course, they want to ask about the Ryan Lochte thing. So this audio will be them asking about that, and then at the end, I think they ask a little bit about uh, the Tom picture, but uh, first let's just do the Ryan Lochte thing. <laughs> there. So, Tony, explain to us what happened. Were you freaked out when this unfolded? A little bit, but you know what I was more? I was more mad than anything because I was like, these guys are interrupting my show. They're interrupting my family, and I was kind of hacked at them, and I'm kind of glad I wasn't down there because you never know what's going to happen, but I figured I was going to stop them if I had to because these guys are just walking down the aisle, and nobody's doing anything. And I saw the whole thing unfold because I'm way up high. Okay, hold on, hold, hold on just a second. For those who don't know the story, Ryan Lochte was dancing. And this is being carried live on mm -hmm. ABC. And two guys wearing anti-Ryan Lochte t-shirts disrupted the show. They actually ran out onto the stage. So how far were you from them? I'm pretty far up. I'm in the third balcony at the very back of the... Uh, oh, see. So they do keep him back there. The screenshot we see of him was when they let him down there at the beginning, I Okay. Think. Yeah. Yes, they let you come down on the floor at the very beginning, yeah. Okay, so from your vantage point, were those guys sitting behind you or in front of you? In front of me, and I saw the whole whole thing unfold because they were talking to Ryan and Cheryl after the dance, so everybody on the, the lower floor is sitting down. And so it's very noticeable on the corner of your eye that you see two people walking down the aisle standing up. Of course, I immediately look over, and they have T-shirts on, so you know something's wrong because everybody's dressed pretty nicely there. And I could see the circle with the slice through it, but I didn't know it was his name, but I surmised it was because I kind of knew something might happen because when I get I get this daily newsletter and I'm always reading like the comments on it and the vitriol against him was just awful this year. Everybody was saying, you know, he shouldn't be on the show, never going to watch it again, it's disgraceful. And so I thought, uh-oh, hope nothing happens tonight. So it didn't surprise me at all. But they were coming down very slowly, like walking they weren't aggressive at all, so that kind of made you feel better. And I remember thinking right away, where's security? And nobody's coming. Were you so thinking terrorism at first, or were you thinking of some sort of weird protest? Weird protest. Yeah, I wasn't too concerned. Like I said, I was more mad than I was worried for anything. Um, you know, you go through metal detectors, so you assume no one's bringing in any weapons metal or detector. anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's a little Ryan Lochte talk. And then uh, let's see, let's go to a little further down the list here. They are still talking to me then um, about the Tom Bergeron pick and just about, you know, what a great time I had. And as I said, you know, this was one of the best times I've ever had. It was number one on uh, my experience list for sure. So we'll see what they have to say here. Now, Tony, the, the, Tony, this picture that we retweeted of you right behind Tom Bergeron I don't think I've ever seen a human being happier. <laughs> was that the happiest moment of your life, being that close to Tom and being at your favorite show? Wow. Happiest moment of my life? Um, it's up there, that's for sure. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's a happy show. So that's why I was really hacked with those guys they kind of interrupted the happy show and i'm like listen this is a happy place get out of here take your protest somewhere else i was pretty active those strong guys, so. words oh, yeah. wow get out of here <laughs> so wait if this wasn't uh, see i would think you would say that that was your happiest night on earth well, what else compares like 
I mean, like personally, don't you have things like marriage and births and? You yeah, know? but you, you've said that the that those were disappointments. Well, again, I don't know where you're hearing this. I've never said that to you, but Gordon's a jerk. <laughs> Craig told me. Craig told, told me. On Tony Craig, said you that. said that. George to told him. me. <laughs> Passing the buck. <laughs> who told who? Ah, uh, the good old musers. And I, I might have sounded a little out of it then. Uh, then when they called me, it was the seven o'clock hour in Dallas, which, which means it was the five o'clock hour in L.A. When I was talking to them, and of course, you can imagine how giddy I get about this show. After season 23 premiere and all that stuff happened, I had a tough time getting to sleep. I don't think I got to sleep till about 3 a.m. Uh, <laughs> L.A. time. So I was working on a couple hours sleep there. So I might have sounded a little groggy. Uh, let's do another uh, ticket audio here. Um, so many of the shows, not the musers who just had me on there. Isn't that weird? They would never let me ask any of their guests a question. But so many of the shows would allow me to ask a guest a question. And this is Bad Radio allowing me to come on and ask Tia Carrera a question. Now, Tia Carrera was in season two really early, obviously, in, in the show's history. And this was the first season for Max. We just talked about Max, you know, as the noteworthy moments. And I told you that he had problems with lots of his partners. Well, he had problems with lots of people that were never really made known. I didn't realize he had a problem with Tia. Well, Tia explains this to us. And uh, um, I, hadn't, I wasn't actually with Bad Radio here, um, but I called in. What they said was they said, text in a question. So I texted in a question. And of course, I was so hopeful that they would let me go on air with her that I actually called into the board op, David Mino. And I said, Mino, hey, would you just leave me on hold in case they have a question about the question I'm asking or something? And I'll be darned if they didn't. And they let me come on with her. But uh, this is Bad Radio interview with Tia Carrera. It's, you have to have a rhythm and you have to know what you're doing. Otherwise, it's just brutal. So we have a question from the uh, peanut gallery. Uh, one of our engineers, Tony, is a Dancing with the Stars uh, expert. His question <laughs> oh. is, what was your experience like with the pro dancer Maxim... Chmerkovsky? Chmerkovsky. Maxim Chmerkovsky, yes. He is known as the um, bad boy of the ballroom and has had some incidents <laughs> with other partners. Incidents? Well, what sort of incidents, I wonder? I'm positive if you give Tony a second, he'll text in what he's talking about. Oh, he's oh, online? Oh, hold on, hold on, he's online. Hold on. Tony, ask Tia, or tell Tia what incidents has Maxim had. Hi, Tia. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure to talk to you. Well, you know, I don't know how much you followed the show lately or as the time has gone on, but he had a problem with Hope Solo in season 13, if you remember that. And he's had, he had a couple a other incidences. Well, well, you know, she, he's, he's, she kind he's of... He's very uh, intense. He's very intense. Was he intense in his first season like that? I thought maybe he would have first season jitters or something because it was his first year also. Was, was he like intensity in 10 cities? Intensity, intensity, sibilance, sibilance. Um, <laughs> I got that Wayne's World reference. There you go. Um, yeah, it was the first year, and he was very intense because he thought it was a real ballroom dancing competition. And there was one incident where I'm so glad the cameras, I uh, had to travel from the valley down over to Hollywood, West Hollywood, where we were rehearsing. And thankfully, they were stuck in traffic. Otherwise, they would have caught me losing my mind on him. And it was, we were doing the tango, and he's like, and he stomped on my toe, and I lost my toenail. It was very painful. And he's like, going, what is this? This is disgusting. This is not dancing. And he goes like that. And I just, I was sleep deprived. 
I was waking up every two hours to feed a baby. I just had my daughter. I just saw red and flipped into like crazy mama bear. I took him. I threw him halfway across the room, it seemed like, against the wall. I pushed him and threw him against the wall. I took my microphone off of my back, smashed it to the ground. I said, who the hell do you think you are? This is Dancing with the Stars. It is entertainment. You just... You know, I don't know what I said. I probably threw a few more colorful expletives in there. And I stormed out and I took off. I was so, was like, oh, oh my gosh, what happened? I really went crazy. <laughs> but they didn't get it on camera, thank God. That's unbelievable. Wow. Well, that sounds oh, like yeah. an incident. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Tony. It was, one, okay. it was an incident. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. Do you, <laughs> Bye, Tony. Bye. I think he had a follow-up, but he might have had seven more. So just to be that's, safe that's there, Tony, too. our engineer. Hey, um, there you go. What a lot of fun that was talking to her and uh, just v validated everything I thought about Max. And, uh, you know, that was his first season and he still had an attitude like that. So, uh, that was fun. Okay. One more here. One more ticket audio clip. Uh, I got so many of them, you know, I'm just kind of going through them at home and looking through them and seeing what might be fun for, uh, you guys to listen to. This is me out with the hard line. And it's just another quiz from them, kind of. And uh, they asked me about a particular contestant, and it kind of got me riled up a little bit. Dinner two, talking to these people, talking to... Uh, hey, we can take advantage of this. Tony, what's the broad's name from Dancing with the Stars that bailed? Bailed what? Oh, Cheryl Burke. Stark. Yeah, Cheryl Burke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. You don't get to watch her on the Miss USA pageant. Yeah, oh, well. How many years was she on there? She was on every season except one and 20, so 18. Oh, I can't compete with that. All right, let's just, let's give Tony a test. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is, as much as you may have enjoyed Jason Lee, Jason Lee does not hold a candle to what this man, our engineer, is capable of. So I want you to listen closely to the experiment that we're going uh, to undertake here. Tony Smith, our engineer, is a very big Dancing with the Stars fan. Here is your first question. Actually, let me look this up just to make sure that you're on the up and up. Season 5, Dancing with the Stars, second place. Uh, that would have been someone named Mel B. She's a Spice Girl. God. Season 10, <laughs> Dancing with the Stars, third place. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Andrews, the current co-host of the show. And you think your presidential crap is good or me naming the 1978 Cowboys in order I, by number? I never said that was good. This is amazing. Believe me, I know I can't how, keep up with this. How deep can you go as far as the places? Uh, top four for all 20 seasons. 20 seasons? Yeah. There's actually seven seasons where I could tell you everybody because there's special things about those seasons. And would you all believe right. it, people? Number four, season 17. Say that again? Number four, season 17. Oh, Bill Engvall. And he did not deserve that. In fact, Bill Engvall. <laughs> this is unbelievable. No. You touched a nerve. This guy, Sports. he would be the, the guy that finished... <laughs> More higher than he should, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. He should have finished ninth that season. So right. he's five spots from where he should have finished. So Another little-known fact, Tony likes women. Yeah? Which is shocking. <laughs> Which is shocking. I just cut it off. <laughs> I just cut that off. Oh, well. A little ticket fun. Isn't it fun? Boy, I miss those days where uh, everybody embraced the bit. and <laughs> They would bring stuff up out of nowhere and kind of give me the quiz. 
Okay, well, that was fun. Uh, we got, boy, we're late, aren't we? We got to get going here. I guess we're not late. I can go as long as I want, but this is longer than normal. I'm looking at the clock here. Uh, we usually do past seasons here, and I think we should do it. We'll squeeze it in here quickly. Um, we've been looking at uh, three seasons uh, in the past uh, each week on the episodes. We're up through, let's see, we're up to season 19, 20, and 21 that we're going to look at here. Now, this is a little more recent, but still, it was a ways back, but I do remember it like it was yesterday. Ah, yes. Uh, season 19 premiered on November 25th. Sorry about that here. Let me get this out of the way. <laughs> uh, 2014, had 13 couples. Alfonso Robero was your champion. Sadie Robertson was second. Janelle Parrish was third. Uh, really, there was four pretty good dancers. Uh, Bethany Mata finished fourth. I actually think Janelle and Bethany should have been two, three, and Sadie should have been four, but no doubt Sadie was a good dancer too. But no one was going to beat Alfonso that year. That was his year. Uh, very dominant performer. Obviously, he's a trained dancer, so uh, wasn't too big of a surprise. He did have one of my greatest freestyles of all time, which we're going to get to here in the next three weeks sometime. And uh, some other things about Alfonso, he was the second oldest male to win the, the championship. Only Donny Osmond was older, and Alfonso was only 43. That tells you a lot of how hard it is to win this thing if you're over 40, for sure. And uh, it's a young man's game out there and a young woman's game. Uh, he was the first male to win since season 14. The, the females had a nice little stretch there where they won, let's see, would that have been four in a row? And then Alfonso, in my opinion, is a top 10 male dancer of all time in the history of the show. Uh, this season, Julianne Huff became a permanent fourth judge this season, at least for a couple seasons. Uh, Len was having a lot of uh, travel conflicts. He did the uh, Strictly Come Dancing show in England, and he was getting older. So we knew he was going to miss a few weeks, and I guess they decided, well, let's get Julianne in here and uh, get her comfortable being a permanent judge. She had been a temporary judge or whatever, a fill-in judge a few seasons before. Uh, let's see, Michael Waltrip, one of the worst dancers ever in the history of the show, most overrated. He finished in seventh place, probably should have been in 12th or 13th. Uh, Tommy Chong, uh, the oldest person to ever reach fifth place at 76. We talked about Tommy a little earlier. That'll never happen again now with the judges save, but uh, uh, I didn't have a huge problem with it. You know, they had the four good dancers. I mean, Leah Thompson finished behind Tommy, and she shouldn't have. And I guess you could argue some of the others shouldn't have either, but Tommy was... An entertainer like none other, and that's a big part of what makes this show special and successful is the entertainment value. So I had no problem with him finishing fifth. Wouldn't want him, wouldn't want to, wanted to him uh, have him win. That's for sure. Um, the finale still brought in about 15 million viewers. So this show, as recently as season 19, still just chugging along, you know, all cylinders. And uh, we didn't have any problems, really serious problems, until the old 26 that we talked about earlier. And this was the first and only win for Whitney, uh, the pro Whitney Carson. So far, the only win. She's still on the show. Season 20 premiered in the spring, March 16th of 2015. Had 12 couples. Rumor Willis was your champion. Riker Lynch was second. Noah Galloway was third. Uh, boy, this was a clash of the Titans. Rumor Willis and Riker Lynch, they're both in my top 10 list of greatest dancers in the, in the history of the show. Rumor, obviously, on the female side, Riker on the male side. And it was a pick as far as I was concerned, who you could vote for. I loved them both. 
both were worthy champions. Uh, this is where you get into the fact, you know, that someone's going to lose and then their fans just go crazy. Oh, how could that happen? This show, I'm never watching it again. Of course, they're not real fans. And, uh, you know, as long as you have a legitimate champion, I really don't care who wins. I mean, there's like been a couple exceptions where I really wanted someone to win. But uh, that was a fun season to watch. There were two other really good dancers that season, Nastia Lunkin, the Olympic gymnast, and Willow Shields, someone you may not know. She was a young kid. In fact, she is the youngest contestant to ever be on the show. She was only 14, and she danced beyond her years. Uh, she was wronged in this season. She finished in seventh place, should have finished in third, or I'm sorry, fourth behind Nastia, who should have finished third, but Nastia finished fourth, so not too bad. But uh, it was great seeing a young kid like that do as well as she did. And sad when she left. She cried because she knew she was better than the fifth and sixth place finishers, but didn't have the fan votes. And Nastia, boy, she was so good. She could have been right up there with Rumor and Riker. But she had a lot of negative video edits this season. And I don't know what the producers had against her. But boy, time after time after time, they showed video clips of her in a very negative light. And it was a tough season for her and Derek. Derek was her partner. Derek was working in Radio City, uh, Radio City Music Hall in New York that entire season. He would go there and work 14 shows during the week and then fly out to LA on Monday, participate with Nastia, and then back to New York to work. I can't imagine that kind of schedule. And then Nastia was a student at NYU. Uh, so they they practiced in between his shows and her... her uh, her lessons, but uh, he did need to fill in a couple times. I think it was Sasha, and it was a tough season for her, but she's one of those good dancers that kind of gets forgotten, I think, in the history of the show. Patti LaBelle, uh, one of the oldest contestants at 70, was in this season. Uh, Noah Galloway, who finished third, one of the most inspirational stories in the history of the show. The guy was missing an arm and a leg. He was an Iraqi war vet veteran, and you know that's unbelievable, but he was missing his leg above the knee, which is even more unbelievable because he didn't have the ability to bend that knee, even with this prosthetic that was very awkward. So just an incredible story. It was fun to watch him. You know, he wasn't the third best dancer, but he got a lot of votes from people because they were so amazed at what he could do. And it was an emotional ride. Second only for me, probably to Amy Purdy, who we talked about, who was the double amputee a few seasons earlier. And uh, season 20 marked the 10-year anniversary of the show. Uh, amazing. They did a 10th anniversary special. It was a two-hour deal. Brought back tons and tons and tons of old contestants. It was so much fun to watch. I find myself pulling that out and watching it quite often just because of all the celebrities that came back and participated in the special. And then this was Val's uh, first win as a pro. And I think that's notable because Val kind of became the alpha male after Derek left. And uh, he was well on his way there with his first win. Okay, let's go to season 21. Premiered in the fall of 2015, September 14th. 13 couples. Bindi Irwin was your champion. Nick Carter was second. Alex Scarlatos was third. Uh, this was another dominant performance by a champion. Bindi, uh, I don't want to say ran, won this going away, but she was really a great dancer. And I can't imagine how much fan support she must have had. She, of course, was never questioned about that. And everybody loved her dad, and I think everybody loved her. Just seems like the sweetest gal in the world and unbelievably talented. At that time, she set a record for the most perfect scores of eight perfect scores. I'm not sure if she – I think she held that with someone else. And uh, she held that record as uh, the most perfect scores in a season until Jordan Fisher came along, who we'll talk about later. 
Uh, let's see. She was the second, I'm sorry, second youngest winner in the history of, show, of the show at that time. Only Sean Johnson, the Olympic gymnast, was younger. And she was only younger by three days. So really young, young kid to be winning at 17. Uh, Lori Hernandez came along and then won at 16 to push her one more slot down. The first husband and wife team to participate in the same season occurred this season, uh, Carlos and Alexa Penavega. They tried it to do it in season uh, eight with, uh, what was the guy's name? Ty Murray and Jewel, his wife at the time. But Jewel had some injuries and had to withdraw before the competition started. So it lasted all the way to season 21 before we had a husband and wife in the same season. Uh, early on, we had Harry Hamlin and Lisa Renna, but they were in different seasons when they competed. We had the second youngest person in the history of the show to, to compete this season, a guy named Hayes Greer. He's only 15 years old. And of course, he's the youngest male that's ever been on the show. We had Paula Dean this season as a controversial candidate, <laughs> I guess you would say. Shaka Khan was in this, the, my worst answer of all time. Uh, Gary Busey at 71, uh, that 70 plus group was in this season. And we had two withdrawals this season, Kim Zolziak and Tamar Braxton. Kim had to withdraw due to mini strokes, and Tamar had to withdraw due to blood clots in the lungs, both of them sounding pretty darn serious, and they had to withdraw when they were diagnosed with them. We talked about Len Goodman. His travel schedule was getting crazy, and he decided to sit out the entire season, so Len was not there during uh, season 21. Um, and Tom Bergeron, the great host of the show from season one through season 28, this was the, a season he missed his only show. His father got sick and went, passed away, and he had to miss one show then. And this was Derek Hoff's final win as a champion. This was his sixth win. Okay, well, let's get to our contest question here. Boy, we're late as can be, aren't we? Sorry, I uh, hope you guys have hung with me. But we have a contest question every week. Uh, this is for the winner will get a free trip to see season 31 uh, live and in person in Los Angeles. I've done this with five other contestants or whatever you want to call them, five other listeners in different venues. And it's always been a blast. And all we're doing is we're asking a question from last week's podcast. So you can wait till the very end and go listen to all the podcasts at once if you want to get all the answers because it's an open book test. So you'll turn in your answers to me at the end of... Uh, the podcast season here, and that's coming up. So last week I mentioned that there were three male pros on the show that had partnered with a total of nine of my top 10 ladies in the history of the show. Last week I had a top 10 uh, women's list, and nine of those people had partnered with just three of the males. Who were those male pros? And that's the question for this week. Turn out the lights, the party's over. <laughs> they say that all good things must end. Call it a night. The party's over. And tomorrow and next year start the same old thing again. All right. Thank you, Dandy Don Meredith. We know that means it's time to go. We got to get out of here. We don't have to go home, but we do have to get out of here. That's for sure. And another thing I like to do, we all know what that is. At the very end of the show like this, we'd like to play a song of someone that's been on the show. See if you can figure this one out.
Yes, this is the great Nelly. Sitting here jamming out myself. Nelly was in season 29, just last season, and he finished in third place. Now, Nelly's one of those guys, kind of like a younger Tommy Chong. He was the coolest guy in the room, I thought, every week that he was on the show. And it was such an interesting guy to see you know, a, a, a hip-hop artist in the ballroom. And I remember Tyra asked him once, you know, what does your uh, homie say about you being in the ballroom? I gave you grief. I loved his answer. He basically said, nah, you know, and, and if they did, I wouldn't care. I'm doing this because I want to do it. I want to learn something I don't know how to do and expand my horizons. So no problems there. Thought that was pretty cool. Uh, even though he finished in third place last season, he really wasn't the third best dancer. I think most people would think Johnny Weir and Sky Jackson were probably better than him, maybe Justina Machado. But no, no worries. He was a great, great dancer for a guy with no real dance experience. And like I said, he... I think he bought into it. In the beginning, I don't think he was too crazy about it. He had a lot of weird facial expressions. It looked like he didn't, might not want to be there. But uh, as time went on, he seemed to embrace it and got better and better and uh, finished third last season. That's Nelly. Okay, as always, thank you to TC for allowing me to use his studio and all that he does to get this guy, this thing out to you guys. Next week on Dancing with the Stars, it's Queen Night, where we will have music from the rock band Queen. All the songs will be from them. Get prepared. I think it's going to be the cover band thing again. They're probably not going to pay the money to get the rights to play the real songs, but should be good, especially if you like uh, the music of Queen. A couple things to look at next week. Will Iman Shumpert have another good dance? You know, he had that unbelievable, iconic contemporary but it might be back to ballroom next week. It probably will be, and we'll see how he does in the hold and how things go from there. Uh, will Cody continue to get better? He got a little better last week, but he needs to ramp it up like right now. Oh, it must be a musical interlude in the song here. The roof, the roof is on fire. Yeah, I guess so. But anyways, will Cody step up next week? And then uh, the other thing I'm curious about next week, every week, I don't know what's going on there. Do they get back to the song? Hey, there we go. <laughs> what I'm curious to see next week is the bottom two again. I'm sure that the men are going to be, some of them are going to be in the bottom two on the judges scorecard. Will we ever get a man in the bottom two again? Because we know how the women love to vote the men out of the bottom two and let the ladies fall to the bottom of the two. So that's something I'm certainly going to be looking at. Okay, well, that'll do it. Thanks for hanging with me. I know it was a long show tonight. I'll try to cut that back a little bit next week. So until next week, this is Tony the Engineer. Bye-bye.